Today's reading is 1 Corinthians 1, 10 to 18. It can be found on page 1052 of the Bible's next year seats as well as on the screen. This is God's word. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there will be no divisions among you, but that you will be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's house, hold, have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Paulus. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized into the name of Paul? I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crippus and Gaius, so that no one can say that you were baptized into my name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanas. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone else. <laughs> For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm so glad you guys chuck, chuckled at that part of that reading because I, I love that part. I love the, the kind of authentic humanity in, in this letter being written, um, the, the Apostle Paul. You know, this, 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 the stuff in this book, contrary to what some religious people might say, it didn't just fall out of the sky in the King James Version, you know, this is human, human stuff that God is using, hopefully, to speak to us today, and I like how the Apostle Paul kind of catches himself and like, well, maybe, I don't know, not really sure, but who cares, let's keep talking. Um, right there in the letter. I invite you to pray with me as we look at this. Our gracious God, as we come and sit in these, these seats and we, um, we file into a space of arts, culture, and activism that is used for, uh, you know, a dozen different things throughout the week, and today we come in and enjoy a new art installation on the walls, and we come to focus on you and to think about our spiritual lives. I pray that you would meet us right where we find ourselves, because some of us come and we're just sort of flat today. We've, we don't have a lot of uh, up or a lot of down, and some of us come with a anticipation of great things or coming off of an excitement from something this week, and others of us come really, really down and hurting. And in all of these places, the truth is that there's universal um, human condition of being a, more of a mess than we want other people to know. And your grace, so needed by all of us today, a grace that says, and a message from you that says, whether we are high or low, we survive and we thrive only by your hand. And that our true satisfaction in life comes only from knowing who, who you are and how you have um, redefined our existence through your gracious work of Jesus. And so as we puzzle over that and attempt to wrap our minds around it today. We pray that you meet us in a way that whether we're up or down or flat, that we know we have met you and we've heard your grace in a transformative way. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So the, the question of the week last week was, what is the ca- cause of division? Someone said, meiosis and mitosis. And uh, someone else said, uh, refusal to consider thoughts or beliefs or ideas of those who seem very different from oneself, keeping the doors of our hearts and minds closed tight. Division, division, Splitsville, breaking up. When I was in college, I, I went to this tiny little school in northwest Iowa and to kind of get out of the cornfields in the small town, I went to the big city of Sioux City, Iowa, and I played in a bluegrass band, and we would practice, and every once in a while we'd have a cafe gig, and I would bring my banjo, and I would listen to banjo songs on the hour drive there, and banjo songs on the hour back. And this family, Walt and Annie Peterson, they took me under their wing. He was in the band. He played harmonica and mandolin, and they were just wonderful, wonderful, wonderful people, the kind of people you just say, I want to be like that. Uh, someday. I I don't want to take life too seriously. I want to just help people where I can. I want to just be available. Just love these people. Walt and Annie. And Walt, um, I remember a story he told me once about growing up as a kid who, who, with these stories, you know, this feeling of like, get on your bike and ride to the record store and get the new Beatles album on vinyl that came out and rush home and put it on the record player and then just sit on your bed or lay on your bed and just be like blown away by Abbey Road or the White Album or Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts, you know. I mean, and I'm just sitting there as a music lover just going like, oh, I was born in the wrong era. What an experience, you know. And I remember he said like when the Beatles broke up, when the band was going to be no longer the Beatles and how just how he was like in grief, you know, had just that experience of hearing that news and sitting in his room and he said, his bigger brother said, Walt, don't worry, think about it this way. Now instead of one really great band, there's going to be four amazing bands. You know, so, I don't know, that, did that play out? Eh, I don't know. There's, there's some good stuff that came out after the Beatles, but no, it didn't really work out that way. Division is usually has some negative, you know, some, some kind of like, de- it's usually a negative thing, right? The being divided, um, not connected, pulling apart. This, is, this has been an interesting week in our, in our nation with this topic of being divided. How, how united are we? Are we divided? Are we more divided than before? Or have things with the, with the new president inaugurated, um, have they just exasperated or just revealed divisions that were already there? You know, a lot of things you could puzzle over, a lot of things people are getting angry over. Maybe, you know, it's just interesting, right? Like these, there's one march one day, one huge crowd marching with signs for on one day, and the next day another crowd. I know, I know a lot of you, um, things have been stirring, right, with, with a lot of the the um, conversation in the lead-up to this inauguration, and and you took signs and you went down to the Capitol and I was driving down. I had uh, my kind of, I was on kids duty during the, the march, so I didn't get to go, but I, I was able to drive around after dropping one child off to break dancing class and then drive down through um, the downtown and see that just all the crowds coming away from the Capitol and oh my goodness, and the signs and the amount of people. It's been one of those interesting weeks and one of those, it, maybe this weekend even for you, um, Maybe you've even seen the division. You've seen, maybe you got to pay attention to sort of, 
you know, your politically divided extended family on Facebook, <laughs> sharing zero points of commonality, right? And just maybe that, maybe that was yesterday for some of you. And God, in his great sense of humor, <laughs> the, the scripture that lines up, one of the four scriptures that lines up today in the calendar of scriptures set, you know, long ago, is this scripture from 1 Corinthians. It happens also to be the one, we could have chosen four different ones for today. This happens to be the one months ago we chose without any thought to inauguration or marches or holding up signs. And, this, and, it, and these are the words. I mean, I, I don't know if you caught this, but I'll read them again. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say and that there be no divisions among you and that you be perfectly, perfectly united in mind and thought. And now, of course, it's not, this isn't a passage, was never intended to be something spoken out to the entire world, to the broader public as a message for all people of all times. The message going to this small group of Christians in the city of Corinth, being called to, to have something different, you know, different than all the other divisions and posturing and collecting and circling the wagons, something different here in the place where people follow Jesus. It's not a very flattering picture of necessarily the church or the early church as we read in here what's going on, and the Apostle Paul seems a little frustrated with them. N.T. Wright is a scholar who says, people sometimes talk as if the first generation Christianity enjoyed a, enjoyed a pure, untroubled honeymoon period after which things became more difficult later on, but there's no evidence for this in the New Testament. Right from the start, Paul found himself not only announcing the gospel of Jesus, but struggling to hold together a single family, those who had obeyed its, or into a single family, those who had obeyed its summons. And, um, and another writer that I read this week said that in this particular passage, Paul sounds like some, somebody's babysitter here, trying to enforce a ceasefire among siblings. Could you please just try to get along? can just hear that, right, in a babysitter. And so it's not that... What, what, what's making Paul so frustrated, and one of the ways he tries to tap into teaching them something about what he's heard is going on is, by, is, is that in, in big cities like Corinth, there was a sort of sophisticated, constant conversation of, of philosophy and the newest thought. And there was... Um, this was sort of like a thing in their day is that, you know, sometimes traveling people or sometimes new thoughts would come and people would kind of all go out to hear the latest thought. And a word they had for these, one of the words they had for these people was sophists or sophism. And there was just this idea that um, whoever kind of had the best idea would kind of gather folks around the new idea and there would be a sort of popularity around that person and that idea. The Apostle Paul is seeing them, this church do something within themselves that represents way much more that kind of cultural sophism, you know, these sophisticated arguments to persuade people into my view. And he's seeing that as what he's hearing is happening within the church as opposed to what he thinks should be happening. And there's a way in which he's realizing, oh, did they, did, when I went there and brought them this message of Jesus, did they kind of see me like that? Did they see it like I was, because it seems like now they're saying like, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, I follow Cephas, I follow Christ. 
Seems like, that, did they place me within that? And in some ways, he's, he's horrified at this. Um, uh, a minister named Mary Hinkle Shore comments on this passage. She says, For Paul, the death and resurrection of Christ signals the beginning of an age in which all the ways the Corinthians have divided themselves into groups just aren't any longer interesting, important, or defining. Paul's not, Paul's not flattered that he's one of the top four, you know. Well, I, got, I guess a quarter of them are going for me. That's actually horrifying. And that's, that's, he's crushed. And you sense his vivid language in verse 13 where he says, is Christ divided? The, a lot of translators take that a little more literally. There's a word in there that's used to describe a butcher cutting up a carcass. So a lot of translations say, is Christ cut up into pieces? It, you know, he's, he's kind of feisty about it. He's kind of upset in a pretty big way about what this church is doing. So that's kind of the, the problem, but what's, where's he going? What, what, where is he going to take them? What, where does the journey lead after pointing out that this is a problem? And he leads it to something very significant, actually, for all of us to listen in on as those who are following Jesus or looking like we might want to follow Jesus. And this is where he takes them. He takes them to baptism. Baptism. Were you baptized into the name of Paul? Ah, so something, something's different with Christians from this kind of sophisticated persuasion, gather around a, an important figure. There's something different with the Christian faith. And he's saying baptism is sort of our way in to understanding that. There's this quote in your worship guide by um, Michael Green, New Testament scholar, and he just very simple quote, but I love how he gets at this. He says, there is a great diversity of ways in which the Spirit works in us the one that is common to all is the bond of our unity, baptism. The one, well, the one thing that is common to all and is the bond of our unity is baptism. And you might say like, well, I don't know, baptism, really? What is it? What's that all about? Is that really, is that really doing anything? Am I feeling, am I feeling it? Am I, am I getting it? There's this movie that came out in 1983 called Tender Mercies, and um, Duvall, is it Robert Duvall? Is that the, that's the, yeah, so Robert Duvall, and, and he, I think he got an Oscar for this movie the next year. There's this great scene where he and this, his stepson, this little boy, they, get, they go and they get baptized at a church, and then, and then after the baptism scene, there's a scene of them sitting on the porch, and the little boy says, to Robert Duvall's character, his stepdad, he says, we did it. I don't, I don't think I feel any different. We got baptized, but I don't feel any different. Do you feel any different? And his stepdad says, nope, I don't feel any different either. It just kind of sits there, right? Like, and sometimes that's, sometimes that's a little bit like is, is where we're at, where with baptism, but Paul takes us there as a significant thing. Just two weeks ago, um, you know how I, I mentioned that the Christian church has sort of these scriptures that we frame our year around. And two weeks ago was Baptism of Jesus Sunday. And so that's the story of Jesus getting baptized. And if you think about it, it's kind of interesting that Jesus wasn't too sophisticated to 
get baptized himself. You know, think about it. He, Jesus, just you can almost picture it like Jesus in line with the, all the others, you know. Yeah, Jesus, he's just coming up, coming forward. He's, his turn is coming up next. It was, it was sort of G, one of Jesus' ways of marching. One of Jesus's, you know, joining the crowd and going somewhere where all the people were going for some kind of cause. And, you know, there were multiple ones in Jesus's life. His parents, before he was born, they, did a, they, they marched down to Bethlehem. Jesus, at the, at the end of his life, or right before he entered Jerusalem for the last time, he, he marched to Jerusalem. But, he, but here, he, he, he marches out, he joins the crowd to go to get baptized. And as he comes up out of the water, the Gospels tell us this story. Maybe some of you have heard it, that he, he, there's a dove that ascends from heaven, kind of falls down or descends on him, and there's a voice from heaven that says, you are, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And what Christians have grabbed hold of, and rightfully so, is that that voice, that there's something that happens for you and me in that exchange, that that's not just a story about Jesus' baptism, but in fact he's getting in line <laughs> and he's marching to do this, and you think, does he really need to? And there's something about, yeah, he needs to as a way of us kind of getting enfolded in. So, so Jesus hears this voice of, you are my beloved, and he enters into baptism with us, and even though we kind of say, did he really need to? And it's a way of then we enter into this inner circle of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, where we are in that is the Father's voice comes to the Son. You are my Son in whom I am well pleased. That We're in that now. We're a child of God. We, through our baptism, get that voice over our life, whether we're asking for it or not. The God unity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, not, you know, that's why we're baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, not in the name of Paul, as he writes in this letter. And you kind of say, well, did Jesus need to hear that voice? Did Jesus really need to hear the Father say, you're my beloved son? Is it where you, maybe you're a little, if Jesus is who he says he is, does he need to hear the Father saying, I love you? Um, and maybe he didn't, but it's sort of like the Father saying, whether you want it or not, whether you need it or not, you're going to hear it. And that's what you and I are enfolded into and enveloped into in baptism. We are, we are enfolded into that, well, whether you're looking for it today or not, that's the voice that will mark your life. That's the voice spoken over your life. You're going to hear it no matter what, over and over. Maybe this is why Martin Luther, the reformer, like uh, how many years ago? 500, four or 500 years ago, Martin Luther, um, I guess almost exactly 500 years ago, he, he said what a Christian should do is every morning, if you're a Christian, you wake up and you say, I'm baptized. You know, it sounds a little, it's like, what? But yeah, the Christian wakes up every morning and says, I'm baptized. And maybe that's why. Maybe it's this hearing God's voice speak over you of, I am the beloved. I am in, I have been ushered in to that loving unity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I have been warmly welcomed into the inner circle. I'm baptized. You imagine... If you were, you know, some of you were maybe marching yesterday. Imagine if somebody had a sign. How weird would that have been if somebody had a sign that said, I'm baptized, right? And they're just walking and everybody's like, what are you, what are you doing? What is this person doing? I'm baptized. 
that, you know, or if there was a, a, a totally separate march that, that we organized next Saturday that was for like the March of the Baptized. Well, how would that be received? How weird would that be, right? How odd would that be? And yet, friends, that, that's sort of, there's, there's, there's people within the Christian church who have written songs and composed poems along these lines of this is who we are. This is, where we, this is how we know who we are. There's a, uh, there's a verse from a hymn by a guy named Henry Tweedy, an old hymn called O Spirit of the Living God. And this is one of the stanzas of the hymn. He says, teach us to utter living words of truth which all may hear, the language we all understand when love speaks loud and clear. Till every age and race and clime shall blend their creeds in one, and earth shall form one brotherhood by whom thy will is done. Baptism enfolds you really into, it's a sense of family. It's a sense of a new family, a new identity. And so Eugene Peterson, who, whose translation of uh, the Bible is called The Message, and when he gets to the end of verse 10, which was the first verse we read today, the way he, the way he articulates it, kind of the nudge to, to Christians in community is cultivate your common life. I like that language. That's vivid language. Cultivate your common life. And in some ways you say like, okay, I'm baptized. Um, maybe I'm struggling with what that means or how that uh, is over my whole life and how I hear the voice of the beloved all the time every day when I wake up. But I know for sure I get that, right? I get, that's, that's something I can grab hold of. Am I cultivating the common life? I was talking to another friend who is a pastor um, this week, and he was, he was talking about this, these, some of these kids in his church, and he said, there's these few kids in my church, and they're all adopted, and they're all really excited about getting baptized. Um, and he said, I think it's something about um, kind of, it's, it's a whole picture thing of their adoption and, and becoming a Christian, that they're really excited to get baptized. And we talked about that, and he said, you know what, it's going to make it real easy to talk about what baptism is when I do baptize them. And I knew right away what he's talking about because kind of throughout the Bible, adoption is there constantly as a way for us to wrap our minds around a new spiritual identity, right? The idea is that you are kind of unnaturally invited and welcomed into a family and it's so good and it's and, it, and you belong, and you've never known that before, and you've never been able to look around the room and go, yeah, this is who I am, and this is whose I am. That's, that's kind of what Paul is trying to, he's trying to dig into those deep kind of themes about identity through baptism. You can almost conceive of it, you can picture it. I don't know if this, I don't know how many times this has happened or exactly how this happens, but you can conceive of somebody growing up who's adopted into a really lovely family, and you can you can conceive of the idea that they might at significant times in their life kind of have to go to that file or that binder somewhere and pull that out and look at the papers, you know, the, the official papers with maybe a state or a, a federal seal on it that says, and, and kind of looking and going, yes, this is, yes, this is who I am. 
in the ups and downs of life or even in those flat days. This is who I am. Yes. And that's kind of what's going on with Paul in the middle of a lot of division and a lot of people holding up their signs in different directions. He's going, this is kind of what you hold the highest. So we consider that today, that if, if you could see most clearly what Jesus does for you and your world, if you could really know that fully, and none of us really can at any given moment, but if you could really know Jesus fully and see the big picture of Jesus, then every day the sign that you would hold up highest above, and, and all the signs are great, keep, keep holding them, keep marching, but the sign that you would hold above all others would be that, that weird one that says, I'm baptized. This is me. This is who I am. Will you pray with me? Our God of grace, would you help us as we walk and navigate the, the truly difficult challenges of life um, in times of great need, in times of great fear, in times of... Uh, a great enthusiasm, would you, would you please help us to know more about your grace and about how you have enfolded us and you offer to enfold us into something so much more, so much bigger than ourselves and something that has way, way more power in you than any of the other things we might plant our lives in. Would you help us to know that somehow through your grace, little by little each day? In Jesus' name we pray, amen.